1: Learn more at marines.com. Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday, I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack, it's a website.
0: Joining me this week is one of the great ATQ writers, Badwater. How you doing? Uh, doing better, um, upright. I spent the vast majority of the last three and a half weeks with this respiratory um, ailment where with just... You know, constant coughing and runny nose and sinus headaches and all that uh, kind of stuff. And, uh, in fact, when we were talking a couple of weeks ago, that was the one brief respite where, um, where it wasn't, you know, having... Those kinds of problems. Otherwise, I'd be, you know, coughing through the entire yeah, conversation. You moved
1: on to complaining about your foot.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. uh, bad move because uh, <laughs> because the cold said, it hey, "Hold my beer." Uh, uh... But, but yesterday, yesterday is finally the, the first day in weeks that uh, I felt fairly normal. So, uh, so that's good. On the mend, ready to go
1: uh i'm i'm glad to hear it um i'm i'm glad that the bad water health tracker podcast uh has uh gone strong and and you've kept us all apprised yeah um, i
0: don't know what it is about january the last january i had covid and i was out for three weeks or, or so and I, I, it it didn't in, impact the the writing or or the podcast all that much but you know i'm kind of done with january's so.
1: i haven't had a cold or flu since the pandemic like uh you know i don't know how other people feel but like i'm 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 kind of digging it (laughs) yeah um uh in addition to keeping us surprised uh about your various ailments you've also kept us surprised about the softball team for the university of oregon um you wrote up a season preview of uh, version six under uh coach lombardi um and then, uh, since you wrote that preview, the Ducks went down to to Clearwater, Florida. Um, uh, uh, ups and downs, strikes and gutters. Uh, I feel like overall it was a successful tournament in that. Uh, you know they they smashed a couple of teams, uh, two of which you covered. Uh, you know yourself. Um, we'll we'll talk a, a little about them. Um, you know, they they played the number five team in the country, Clemson, and played them real tight. You know, they wound up dropping uh, that contest. But like, I mean, that was anybody's game. Um, you know, they, they lost two to three. They lost the opener against Indiana, a team which, you know, a game which is an upset in the sense that they were, you know, Oregon was ranked and Indiana wasn't. Although, frankly, I think that Indiana is going it turns out to be a pretty damn good team. And I think it's going to be ranked. And I think, you know, by the end of the season, no one's going to really consider that to be like that shocking of a, um, a, of a result, especially when you consider that, like the other team that played Clemson two to three was Indiana. Like, mm -hmm. like Indiana was the second best team at that tournament. Like, right.
0: And, and you and Adam, uh, talked about that a couple days ago. Yeah. In, in the podcast. And it, yep. It, and Indiana is, is certainly underrated. They're a good team. Yeah. And especially, yeah, especially yeah. Copeland, like uh,
1: what a water player. Like, oh,
0: yeah. On, um, on both sides. Yeah. <laughs> Just boy. Uh, I can't remember the last time a, uh, a pitcher was that dominant in the batter box as well
1: yeah like second in their lineup like they knew it too like it wasn't like oh we better stick her in the lineup ninth or something like that like nah they knew it and then she and then she would just have a good game like nah they knew it and you know she's Mm -hmm. she's yeah so and just like and yeah they i mean she took stevie hansen to school like yeah yeah um we talked about that game already. I want to back up and talk about your season preview. Um, you know, the way that I was characterizing it, and you tell me if I, I, I'm getting anything wrong here, but, like, you know, I, I feel like Oregon's losses from last year, like their personnel losses, were fairly minimal. You know, like, I, right. it, it'll it be, uh, it, it, you know, it'll be sad. to see, It's sad to see Tara McGowan go. Like, I, I, I've always liked Tara McGowan. Um, uh, and then, you know, a couple of utility players that would sort of like come in from time to time, Chris or um, who are, I, I remember had a couple of clutch hits when she would come in and pinch hit a couple of times, like, you know, that were awesome to see, but it's not like she was a regular part of the lineup. And then s- sort of similarly for Caitlin Howard and Kyla Morris, um, but I mean, you know, yeah, outside exactly. of the gap, Pilot
0: Morris was uh, effective in the outfield. But you know, she was that's scoring.
1: true. Um, but but Oregon but, already rotates a lot of players in the outfield. Right. You know, right. like
0: and they and they rotated Valerie Wong along with Tara right. McGowan. So we know that Wong is a is a proven quantity,
1: right? And they brought in a transfer and a cough um number 25 who does not look like a catcher it's kind of crazy that she plays catcher um uh but whatever like she she was pretty darn good so like they're continuing the the catcher rotation thing too um so like you know not skipping a beat you know and so basically like version six compared to version five is like it's basically identical uh or at least actually that's not true it they lost very little Mm -hmm. and they added a whole lot
0: yeah and they uh didn't lose anything on the pitching side
1: yeah in in fact Uh, they which is huge in in fact they're really they're they're bringing players online in the pitching Mm -hmm. side number one uh taylor spencer who who uh you know is part of the 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 um who's a freshman this year, um, but who looks great. You know, she she, yeah, she, looks, she she's looked really dynamite
0: great. in in yeah. every single one of her outings. Uh
1: but also um uh at least so uh uh close um who th- they brought in like I think two years ago, but who yep. hasn't really seen significant amount of time I think they were sort of developing her like mm-hmm you know, now she's seeing, you know, time in the circle. And then also Reagan Breedlove, who like at the start of her career for Oregon, it was like, oh God, please don't bring in Breedlove because like her ERA was through the roof. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, like she outpitched, I mean it was my opinion anyway, or I'm not sure what you think about this, but like in my opinion, she outpitched Stevie Hansen in that game against Indiana. Um yeah.
0: Yeah, well, uh let's see as I noted in the the softball review last year, uh both Breedlove and Sokolshi um improved over 2022. Um, and they uh it, you still um would be forgiven to be kind of apprehensive if they were in the game and they weren't in in the game when uh, a significant game was on the line but their their stats uh showed some real improvement and so you know my expectation is that we would uh, see continued improvement this season and so far to some extent we've seen that from breed love
1: yeah um which would mean like if it, like If everything is as that looks, that would mean that Oregon would run five deep of reliable pitchers in the bullpen, which for a softball team is like ridiculous. Like if you're a baseball fan who's listening to this and you're like five reliable pitchers in the bullpen, that's way too small. The the way that the pitching motion works in in softball is is so different that like. It's most teams are lucky to have three like most teams. The way they're constructed is they have like one ace and then they just try to survive whenever that ace needs to be relieved um, because like nobody else you know can can get the ball across the plate hardly um uh, yeah, but, but the if he couldn't college- realistically pitch an entire game and then take a breather and then come back and pitch the entirety of game three like that's how
0: a lot of softball teams are constructed frankly right. and it, if you're a college world series team you have two or three aces right exactly and, and operate that way yeah because yeah, even even a great pitcher is going to have uh, a down um game or yeah. you'll know, just be up against the wrong batters and you just
1: yeah uh, plug so, your next in. so like a team that if oregon is indeed a team that runs five deep with reliable pitchers and like i don't think that morgan scott's not an ace anymore and and like stevie hansen probably still is an ace she just got her clock cleaned you know to to open up against indiana um like uh and and hell's Taylor Spencer may turn out to be a freshman phenom too. Um, Like if, if that, if there's seriously a team that's got three aces and two, you know, reliable backups, like that, that's gotta be like the deepest pitching staff in the country. Like, and it gives you serious flexibility. Like you, like you can, you can go into a weekend with a plan like to play multiple pitchers and then that plan could go awry and you could do different things and not, you know, mess things up, you know, like, like the, like every additional reliable pitcher that you add to the bullpen exponentially increases your ability to, to deal with, Problems and and uh, like that's what I notice when I watch so many different softball teams is that like their their lack of depth and flexibility means that like if they're if their pitcher singular gets in trouble that's it they're done you know and, and the ducks you know being the team that I watch the most like. Will have a you know have has so many you know one two three four five six seven eight nine you know top to bottom in the batting order of of batters who can get you into trouble that you know like that's it you know like the Oregon will just pounce all over you and will not let up and all of a sudden a game that was tight will be you look up and it's you know they put up six runs in an inning and it's like that or
0: that's it. Yeah, well when, when when we're talking about teams that have a one pitcher and it better go right because you don't have a plan B, we're talking Oregon 2022.
1: Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. you, you know,
0: if if Stevie Hansen couldn't tackle it, the ducks were in trouble. And uh less so last year, yeah, you know, with Morgan Scott on board. And so fingers crossed, yeah. You know, uh Uh, I think we have um, uh, about the best pitching squad we've seen at Oregon in quite a while. Like, well, ever.
1: I mean, like you could make an argument that Oregon in the past has had like one, like one ace pitcher who was better. But in terms of that, maybe was better than th- this, that than the best that this entire bullpen has. Like maybe you could make that argument. I'm not mm-hmm. even sure if that's true, yeah. but maybe you could make that argument. You definitely couldn't make an argument that 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 Oregon's had a deeper. Uh, bullpen, or at least assuming that it's the case that all five of these arms are actually active, I, I I would like to see them. You know, they'll go down to San Diego this weekend, and and you know that that should give us decent verification of this thesis. But it's what mm-hmm. it looks like after Clearwater, um, and, and then we you know we've pretty much been exclusively talking about pitching, and the reason for that is like it's the same batting lineup. Like, yep. uh, you know, everything we talked about last year with the exception of having, you know, lost, uh, you know, Tara McGowan and, and Ornellis is, as, as an occasional pinch hitter, like and and Morris would sometimes hit a little bit too, mm-hmm. but like, it's the same lineup. Like, yep. you know, all your old favorites, <laughs> like, you know, and, and like, you know, sh- Sure enough, you know all all your old favorites. You know came to play in in Florida and just like absolutely annihilated. You know, you know, like Liberty, for example, the second game that you covered, where you know Oregon, you know, just runs them out of the 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 park, right? You know, uh, uh, you know, Ariel Carlson hits, you know. (laughs) <laughs> three RBIs right like two, two two home runs right um you know Alyssa Daniel is fantastic and Delgado's fantastic and you know, Taya Bird you know and her you know the 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 or her the the sort of slapping style right um uh, uh KK Humphreys you know, Paige Snicky who's the shortstop you know and who bats ninth uh you know you know she's consistently been improving her hitting game i mean she's not a slugger she's not knocking it out of the park but she is you know she's consistently she getting get on base, base yep. right both of the luchar you know sisters are, are consistently get on base and then emma cough comes in who you know we hadn't seen before she was the addition right because you know she replaced um mcgown from behind the plate mm-hmm. uh you know hey she can hit great you know that was it that was yep. the question can she hit yes done yeah
0: um yeah, it's kind of funny because football um says uh oh we can smash uh liberty in the fiesta bowl and "A yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah hold my beer we got yeah. liberty liberty
1: so uh yeah i mean like you know obviously oregon just sort of outclassed uh, uh liberty and um you know there's not a whole lot to say about that game like i you know M- morgan scott pitched you know the the entire game and it was a shortened game because of the mercy ruling um i don't even think that they needed morgan scott to be pitching that game I'm not sure why she was to be honest um the the other game that you covered was kansas the final score on this one was three to five um but like I, that is deceptive because like oregon was like It it, it was it was five to zero going into the top of the seventh, right? Right. Mm -hmm. And they they you know uh, uh, um, uh, Reagan Breedlove you know starts it out. She I don't know. Did you think Coach Lombardi pulled her too quickly?
0: Well, I mean you could you could make a case for that, but uh, also um, Breedlove had let what one or two hits um get by her and
1: and she walked somebody yeah i don't know i just wanted to see more i just want more data on the other hand
0: well you go ahead yeah and um you know so you're gonna make the decision that um that scott um is a, a good choice to relieve it it's just well you know, no scott it...
1: came in at the end it was spencer that's what i was oh, yes, i was starting yeah, right. i interrupted you so okay. I, I yielded but like th- that was the thing was that the, the you know i i was sad because i wanted more data about breed love because you mm-hmm. know like i said i have been working on this theory that i think that breed love has become like actually a pretty reliable pitcher at this point but the but then i was happy because the data that i got instead was on taylor spencer who pitched basically yeah. the entire game against Kansas and mm-hmm. effectively pitched a shutout? Right, she yeah. she faced eighteen batters and only gave up, you know, five hits, um, in one earned run. Um, like, you know, she was tremendous. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, and I think we'll um, get a chance to see Breedlove uh, starting in the circle. Um, this coming weekend, um, you know Lombardi's probably going to be selective about which game that is, but it's nice to know that um, if Brie Love is struggling, well, then then you have some choices, yeah, you know, plural, to to come in and uh, kind of help things out. And then the reason
1: I say it's deceptive is that Morgan Scott gets out there. We all know that Morgan Scott is fantastic. Like, I don't know. There's no question about it. And it was just like, finally, Kansas gets a hit. And, you know, they, they get a double and then there's a throwing error. That's not her fault. Um and then, and then, like uh, you know, then they get so they're in scoring position. They get another hit that scores, and then there's a home run, you know. So now they're you know, and that scores two, and so like, you know, Morgan Scott goes out there, so she gives up, you know, t- two hits and a home run, you know, plus a throwing error, you know, to to, to load up, you know, makes things easier, uh, and it's like, you know, so. I mean statistically that looks terrible I didn't I mean you watched that game I was watching it too like Mm -hmm. I didn't think the Morgan Scott looked like she was like oh my god is she drunk you know like she didn't look like she was throwing bad pitches it just looked like Kansas had been on the mat the entire time and they they sort of knew this was a do or die thing and so they were just swinging Mm -hmm. and like Yeah, like there are games in which you got to swing at everything because you got to connect because there were, you know, it was five to zero in the top of the seventh. Like they had to swing at everything. And sometimes that means that you just get like three straight strikeouts because your opponent is swinging at everything. Yeah. And, and, and sometimes happened. that means they get home runs cuz they're swinging at everything. You yep. know, cuz you know they're sw- they got to swing for the fences and everything. And and Morgan Scott just drew that the, the ladder. But I didn't think that she was throwing bad pitches. That's my question for you, Badwater. No, Do you think I got that wrong?
0: No. Uh I don't think she was throwing bad pitches and these kinds of trends uh pop up with they popped up every now and then with Scott and with Hansen last season
1: oh man Uh, now I did I'm sorry go, Go go ahead well I was gonna push back I thought that you what you were gonna say was that that you the, the way that I just absolved Morgan Scott, I think that you thought you were going to try and turn that and absolve Stevie Hansen of uh, her giving up five runs to start out the first two runs no, no. against no, that, Indiana. And I was, was going to say, no yeah. way. She was throwing bad pitches to start right. out against Indiana. Those two things were not the same. But then right. you said, no, no, I was talking about something else I was talking about last year. Right, and right. then I was going to say, oh, yeah, all right. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, no, no correlation with with Hanson. But um, do you agree uh, with me
1: about that yeah. Indiana? I know you didn't cover the Indiana game, but you, but we we watched it. Do you agree yeah. with me that, that that those first two innings that Hanson pitched against Indiana, yeah, that she I was, was giving up runs because she was throwing not great pitches. I, w-
0: I was wondering. Um, who the hell put the imposter out there that looked like Stevie Hansen? Yeah, it was weird. I mean, like
1: Crazy. she was facing two of Indiana's best, but, you know, their leadoff batter and then Copeland, their second batter were both really good batters. But then the problem mm-hmm. was she wasn't retiring anybody so that she they came around like Kansas or excuse me, Indiana went through their entire cycle so that she had to face him again. Well, guess whose fault that is, Stevie, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have to, uh, shut batters down and she wasn't able to do that. That game the w- with, uh, with Scott pitching, um, it, it was a completely different thing. She seemed in, in control of her pitches and, and like you say, it was just kind of the, the draw of uh, a couple of hits. Um, but I, I didn't. See any lack of control or yeah. confidence shaken? Yeah, I didn't and, see and like she wild it, pitches. She, she proved it with a complete game, complete yeah. game shut up. the the next game. So yeah, exactly. You know, you know it it looks good. Whereas, whereas Hanson has in the couple or so outings that she's um been in the circle, uh, I don't know. It's she seems kind of tentative and maybe maybe that has to do with um getting blown out of the circle you know your first start at your first game um it'll it'll be interesting to see how hansen uh, rebounds this coming weekend
1: yeah like maybe maybe she's in her head yeah um uh, or 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 was in her head uh uh in clear water maybe you know she she's had this week you know to to clear her head mm-hmm. uh you know maybe, maybe we'll see a better performance in san diego you know i sure yeah, hope, hope so, so. Yeah. um we'll be covering that you know it, it uh unfortunately that that's not on a free str- it's, uh, free stream um so we're going to be covering that in recap form instead of live coverage uh for the site um uh but we will be doing you know I- individually um uh, you know, individual recaps each, you know, uh, succeeding day, um, you know, because it's pretty good competition. Uh, you know, the Campbell Cartier, uh, classic usually, you know, in San Diego usually does draw, you know, really good competition. Um, so they're facing some, some pretty good opponents, um, and, uh, should be a pretty good draw, you know, uh, Oregon, the, the other than Taylor Spencer, um, who, who was, uh, you know, star of the show, um, in terms of freshmen I, you know the the 2022 recruiting cycle which is what provided the the freshmen that we saw or would come in and play this year sort of the the way that softball recruiting works is sort of staggered out that way i don't think we saw anybody Except for Spencer, I don't think we saw Katie yeah. Flannery or Reagan Leg or uh a Brazy Rosa or uh Ayanna Shaw, did we? No, or Abby no, no we didn't,
0: we, we didn't. Um, and uh, I, I had my eye peeled for yeah. uh, using newcomers, but but the Ducks don't need to, they they bring yeah, exactly, about everybody, and uh, just like you and Adam were talking about a couple of days ago, uh, they are primed for a deep postseason run if this isn't the team i don't know what what team would it would be well i mean they've
1: i mean that's why i wanted to pivot and talk about like you know before we we switch off of softball you know because you did write the season preview mm-hmm. and we opened up talking about how like um you know this is you know seems last year's class next year the, these folks are all done. You know, like this is this is sort of the apex of of these folks. And you can see it in the fact that other than Spencer, they're not playing any of these freshmen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, like they, they don't have anybody that it's like, oh thank God we finally got a talented player so we can put this jag to bed. Like that's not what they're doing at all. Like, um, they the uh you know they they brought in the the you know as we said cough the transfer from georgia tech um the uh um but like we i, I don't think we we saw did we see trinity holden the other transfer I don't uh, think from so. portland state no um
0: no i'm looking over the roster and or uh, over the box score yeah Uh, we didn't see trendy Holden yeah
1: so it's like look you know Oregon's been recruiting really well it'll be really interesting to see the 2025 team you know because they've been stacking these recruiting classes but like other than you know the transfer cough and the true freshman pitcher you know spencer which like thank god you know is the reason we spend all the time talking about how deep the bullpen is mm-hmm. like now nah, they're rolling with the seniors and to concluding thought about the softball team for the 2024 the, this is a post season team you know like this is this is their last hurrah this is you know this is what they've been building for for this sort of this group of players is yes. to to take it this year, um, and. Uh, it's not to say that, like, boy, if they don't get it this year, Oregon's going to be down in the doldrums in, in 2025 because they're going to have to rebuild, you know, because they're, oh, oh, gosh, you, you know, if they when they lose these seniors, they're going back to the drawing board, you know, and happen to start over from scratch. I mean, they will start over because, it, you know, they're going to lose all those players, but, like, they've been stacking all these recruiting classes.
0: It's just going to be completely new faces. Um, right. And these, are, these recruiting classes aren't practicing against themselves they're they're practicing against these stars that and um, so you know one can only expect that that um, they're going to pick up some chops in the process and be able to display that in 25.
1: But it's like oh man like I I I can't it's hard for me to even think about what an Oregon Ducks softball team will be without like Alyssa daniel you know Mm -hmm. or hannah delgado you know like i like heart or you know or ariel Ariel carlson you know it's just like what is oregon softball with ariel carlson without ariel carlson like i can't even imagine it you know and that's you know so that's what you know i i'm okay i i enjoy softball i'm gonna be watching it closely i always do but like i'm gonna be watching this season extra closely because like that's what i mean this is the this is the last dance for, for this group that's been with the team for this long, you know, like this super senior group. Um, and, and and hopefully they have a special season. All right. Uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some baseball. So uh, the baseball team gets started uh, tomorrow, actually recording this on Thursday night. Uh, They start out uh, Friday against Lafayette. It will be on uh, the Oregon live stream. Um, uh, I think we're going to start doing live coverage on Sunday, Um, but we'll uh, we'll be doing recaps throughout the week. Um, uh, You wrote the season preview of the baseball team. Um, unlike the softball team, they are losing, uh, uh, you know, quite a few players uh, Mm -hmm. off of, uh, 2023s, like impressive postseason run. Uh,
0: why don't you run that down for us? Um, well, the, the, the team that, um, made it to the super regionals and, um, you know, hosted the super regionals was a team that that, like softball, um, had some really excellent defensive and uh, offensive chops. And you know, uh, Saben uh picked up a gl- Golden Glove for his efforts at third base, even though he was recruited as a catcher. Um, and he was dynamite o- off the plate. There was a, a bunch of players that were dynamite off the plate you know him and and mm-hmm. as the leadoff hitter dirkali colby shade uh, all these um players were significant offensive uh, players and uh defensive players I- in the field so uh, unlike softball you do have some um some pieces moving along um with that part of the team that you um you have to kind of uh, wait and see uh how the rest of the team picks up um you know who they choose to uh put in the rotation as uh, underclassmen they uh the ducks uh, do return um um uh butcher and drew smith bennett thompson jacob walsh so you know uh, all those are excellent uh fielders and they're they're great at the bat as well um the ducks have also brought in some portal transfers um both of them outfielders one is uh Justin Casella who's from Elon and uh Jeffrey Hurd is an outfielder from Sacramento State. Um these guys are upper classmen and will kind of help um you know fill in the gaps in the outfield um that are there you know with the departure of uh those players from the 2023 team.
1: Cuz cuz Cowley and Shade are both were both outfielders.
0: Yep. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, and Nishida. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. I yeah. never. I I never think about him as an outfielder because I, I'm so hypnotized <laughs> yeah. by his 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 awesome, uh, <laughs> Yeah. His his hitting and his his uh, his actions at the plate, which seem to like so confuse
0: uh, pitchers. Um, but you're right. He's an outfielder. Yeah. Um, so so where is he? You have a a situation where softball where you've got all these players. Coming back, all these seniors, um, most of the vast majority of the uh, offense and bat, uh, the defense and batting, come back. That isn't quite the case with baseball. So, um, the thing to that I'll be watching for uh, this weekend is um, who's filling in those places, and. who the big bats are going to be that step up you know but uh, outside of these the the known quantity that's coming back
1: i mean i i think that oregon's probably going to be just fine like i they, yeah. they brought back a core of pretty you know great hitters they brought in you know some more uh you know uh, you know in, in terms of the transfer portal uh i think that probably the 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 program that produced the hitter. Like, I don't think it was an accident that Oregon had like a bunch of dynamite hitters all at the same time. Like, I don't think that Mm -hmm. that was some sort of like historical, Oh, the stars aligned to make that happen. I think there was a, you know, that, that was programmatic. And given that like, program is in place and like the core of of you know those dudes are in place that like I don't have any doubts I mean I I couldn't tell you who it's going to be you know yet like let's see how those games play but like I have no doubts that like you're going to see you know a similar just like dynamite hitting performance what you know what scares the hell out of me is that like what held this team back was the pitching staff last year, and yeah. they lost all their pitchers. You know, J- mm-hmm. Jay Stowfalls going pro, right? Yep. Uh, Josh Malaris, uh, mm-hmm. who was their closer, um, who at least could throw the ball real hot. Like, I never really felt like he was a very effective closer, to be perfectly honest with you, because uh, I didn't really think he had control of his heat. But, like,
0: yeah. Yeah, we talked about people. that, but he got picked up in the draft. Right?
1: Yeah, because, you know. Well, because the draft is looking for physical attributes. Anyway, the yeah. uh Isaac Aon is simultaneously drafted and injured. I don't understand
0: how that worked. Um, uh, but at any well, rate, he's not available to the docs. Logan Mikado was also drafted, but he's back this year. So maybe he didn't feel that. that. But... What does he not want to get paid? Like well, um he may feel that there's uh, some things that he can do to Uh, increase increases draft position. But yeah, it's too bad about Ion, because, yeah, he was... He missed last
1: year with injury, too.
0: Yeah. uh, Right before the start of the season, he's gone. And right now, right before the start of this season, he's also gone. So it's like, oh, uh, what the heck? Um, The the good news is R.J. Gordon was also uh, another um uh, presumed starter that uh was going to uh start at the outset of last season he was also gone with an injury uh yeah, but so he appears appears him. to be back
1: so so you know that's uh, effectively compared to last year in addition mm-hmm. uh y- uh you know they they also get back in addition to mercado they get, they get back Grayson Grinzel and Tarnell Sprulgerrick um, I thought the Grinzel and Spoljarek were kind of up and down. Um, yeah. but they were freshmen last year. Right. I mean, that was right. the thing yeah. about the bullpen last year. It was that it was nothing but freshmen. And you could definitely see that their strategy was Okay, every freshman pitches one inning, and uh, I, you know, just we're gonna go through every one of our pitchers like a shotgun. Yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. If somebody, if somebody has a decent run, maybe we'll leave them in for two innings. Yeah, Um, and so it's also um, worth noting that our uh, pitching coach last year, uh, Jake Angier, moved on. He's the head coach at New Mexico state and uh, Oregon hired Blake Hawksworth, who has a really, really interesting resume. Here we are. He, 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 um he played for 10 years in the majors uh, as oh, 10 years of, of professional ball, seven years of that was in minor leagues but uh he did play big league ball with the cardinals and dodgers um then when he moves on he becomes an agent um, you know for the for the Scott Boris agency and he was re- responsible for a couple of um you know being the agent for a couple of high round um draft picks i think one was a pitcher that was a, a first rounder uh, if i'm remembering correctly so he does that um for a number of years and then becomes a pitching coach at Cal State Fullerton um, uh, in two seven, 2017 and uh the Titans go to the college world series yeah fullerton's a good team yeah yeah and uh um yeah you know, they they had a, a great pitching staff that that year too. And, you know, he, you have to uh, figure that Hawksworth uh, had a a hand in that. Um, Then he goes back to being an agent for a couple of years or so. Then he becomes uh, a high school pitching coach um, for, uh, you know, a hotshot California uh, club that, that went to um they were in the state championship or uh, something mm. like that and and now he's he's with Oregon so um he, he has he has a, a lot of layers to his resume and it'll be interesting to see how that translates into pitcher development. Yeah. Cause he, he's, he's worked at, at all the levels, you know, professional collegiate high school, you know, that I, I have to think that, that with that comes a, um, a huge spectrum of experience that, you know, will help, uh, develop, uh, some of these young pitchers because, um, Oregon brought in a lot of freshman pitchers last season. They're bringing in a fair amount of uh, freshman pitchers this season too. And uh, we'll see how, um, how well the Hawk is at uh, developing all all this young talent. Uh,
1: Yeah. You mentioned like, you know, uh, one of the freshmen, uh, uh, Colin Clark, um, and uh, uh, I and mean, you mentioned another uh, newcomer, Brock Moore. Oh, newcomer is a senior. How does that work? Is he a transfer? Yes. Where's, where Where did he transfer from?
0: Um, well, I I don't have that off the top of my head, but yeah, he um, he was was is a a transfer the um the fresh danville
1: danville area community college I love when <laughs> yeah. area appears in <laughs> college i've been doing my uh the the uh the the my roster database for all these big 10 teams and there's a bunch of juco schools where area appears in the community yeah. college names
0: i love that well wow. yeah and that's why it uh, i know that i had read that and it kind of went in, in and out of my head. Um, the, uh, the pitchers that were the freshman pitchers that um, are being highlighted a- ahead of the season are um, a right-handed pitcher, Ryan uh, Featherston, um, who's six to a six, six, two left-handed uh, pitcher Toby twist. And then um six six right-handed pitcher cole stokes and yeah i'm avoiding big unit references to to that guy that's a
1: huge picture like yeah Brockmore six six dylan mcshane is six nine uh jackson pace is six five uh uh six four yeah that's a
0: jackson jordan six five some tall guys. Yeah. And holy cow. Uh, Ducks basketball could use you. Mm. <laughs> Not really, but, uh, but it'll be interesting to see um, how these, uh, how these new pitchers are used. If there's a difference in style between engineer and Hawksworth and, you know, I, my hope would be, that you're able to develop um, some players enough to where you're you're not using the shotgun approach uh, that you allude to last season. Yeah, you know, I'd, yeah, I'd like to see some consistency somewhere. And you know, if if this pitcher is doing his thing, uh, you know, leave him in. Don't take him out after two thirds of an inning. So
1: they're heading down to uh, uh, Ranger Stadium, Arlington, Texas, um, for the opener. Um, uh, going up against Oklahoma and uh, Baylor and Texas Tech uh, this weekend. Um, and then they come home and take on Lafayette. Um, uh, uh, the the uh, the uh, the first weekend is is uh, going to be on Flow uh, Baseball, so so uh, we're going to be covering that live. But we'll we'll cover the Lafayette series. Um, we're gonna just go to PK Park and watch a game. It's pretty good. Yep. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's take a break. Uh, we come back, we'll talk some football. So, my transfer series uh rolls on. I uh, last week I did Dylan Gabriel, and this week I'm doing Dante Moore. Um, I uh, I already had to watch all of the UCLA film. Um, because it's a conference opponent and Oregon plays in 2024 um uh, Oregon didn't play UCLA in 2023 and um just sort of how the schedule worked out I um uh, I only wound up for the purposes of watching Oregon's upcoming opponents during the season I only wound up seeing Dante Moore play in like two games um that were like relevant to watch um and uh, uh um and were and, the games oh, where where he he started yeah yeah okay um uh and so like you know, that was one of the reasons why I was giving myself a bunch of lead time is like I knew I'd, I because I had set aside like all the UCLA film because I was like, I'm just going to watch all of the these. I knew, I knew I had to watch all of the UCLA film like I wasn't just going to do the Dante Moore project. I was going to, you know, I'm going to watch, you know, not just Dante Moore, but all of the quarterbacks because I need to watch all the quarterbacks in order to contextualize Dante Moore for the rest of the offense. and then i was like look i'm just gonna watch i gotta do this whole project so i'm gonna watch the entire offense and then i'm just gonna do the defense too because i've been neglecting that and that's gonna be relevant that you know that's useful film as well given that like their coordinator uh danton lynn is now the usc defensive coordinator Mm -hmm. um i you know um so like, you know, th- that, that's why I took a couple of weeks, you know, cause I was building up some lead time to do, you know, stuff. So anyway, uh, boy, oh boy, was this a weird project to watch UCLA film? Um, because there are some aspects of UCLA's film, which are just like transcendent, just like amazing to watch. Um, oh, and the other thing is I like cut a deal. I won't, explain the particulars of the deal but i right. did so in order to acquire all of ucla's all 22 film so I, you know i really got to watch it um and the all 22 clips are are throughout the article in in the the film goes to document it and like unlike most of my articles i went to nine on this there's there's nine different clip compilations in my article for dante moore um and you'll see why when you read my articles, because the, the, the line that's in my article is that watching this tape is like jumping between the hot tub and the ice bath. Um, which I know that some people do for fun, but (laughs) uh, I do not. I like just being in the hot tub, you know, (laughs) maybe with a, with a beverage and some, uh, a nice companion. Um, Keep things warm. Like jumping in the ice bath was not fun for watching the UCLA film because there's so much about it that's bad. Like the good stuff is when Dante Moore is throwing good passes, it's the most amazing thing you've ever seen in your life of watching football. And on the defense, their pass rush was so good. Like so good. Um and both of those things I predicted it's in my UCLA preview article from last June. In in, in fact, like I, I laid out the ways in which UCLA is selling out their future in order to have a great pass rush right now. Um, like they, you know, it's going to be terrible in the future, but like, they seem to be not caring. And I guess we all know now why they didn't care because they lost both their head coach and their defensive coordinator. (laughs) They just didn't (laughs) care. You know, like just like, I should have seen the writing on the wall for Jonathan Smith when I was writing about Oregon state, when I was like, why didn't Jonathan Smith do anything to build this team up? Like, you know, given they were coming off of a 2022 season in which the iron was hot, why didn't he do any striking? Oh, cause he was out the door already, you know, mm-hmm. like anyway, my, uh, I, I couldn't help myself. The, my, 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 June 2023 preview so perfectly predicted UCLA's season it's frightening including exactly how much each quarterback would play and why and why Chip Kelly wouldn't be able to make this offense work because mm-hmm. unlike unlike everybody else including people who are paid money to write about UCLA football I understood Chip Kelly's offense Oh, and by the way, I definitely am going to understand it better than the people who are paid money to write about Ohio State football. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm definitely going to write a better Ohio State offensive preview than Ohio State writers are. Um, or I don't know, maybe not. Maybe the Ohio State people take it seriously in the way that Pac-12 people don't. Like, I've actually been usually pretty impressed with uh, Big Ten folks in particular and in 11 Warriors and in, in, or big 10 in general, 11 warriors in, in particular, I'm looking forward to see what, what some of the big 10 guys come up with, but I'm fairly confident that I, I will have some insights that those guys are, are going to miss out on. Um, anyway, the, uh, the, like Dante Moore's a pocket passer. Um, like he's not a bad athlete, in fact there's a clip compilation my article uh a couple different clip compilations that sort of show off his athleticism um uh so he's not like a statue he's not like a you know jake luton you know type in which all he is is an arm and and if you get into the backfield like forget it like you got a sack like that's it um he's got some decent escapability. he throws on the hoof really well um like uh uh you know rollouts and scrambles and stuff um I, I mean like he he throws when he's scrambling well his actual scrambling like running it is sort of like yeah um but it's not like he's not a statue uh mm-hmm. but he's not dorian thompson robinson and like that's what in my june preview i predicted and then came to pass exactly as predicted uh is that like chip Kelly's offense is like one read and run like his whole, I don't know. Should I recreate the entire post Coriel theory of passing systems on a podcast? Uh, uh, all all post Coriel passing systems, 99% of the time when you are watching football at any level of football, what you have been watching is the quarterback going through a linear progression system in which they go through reads one, two, three, four, five. And they only scramble when they need to scramble because scrambling is always less effective than throwing the ball. That should be obvious. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and so the, the most valuable asset that a football team has is their quarterback's brain in processing the field and his arm in executing the correct read that his brain surmised. Um, and then you got to Chip Kelly. And so and even like alternate passing systems like, say, the run and shoot or the air raid like are still in which the way that you do your progression is different are still progression passing systems. Mm -hmm. And then there's Chip Kelly (laughs) who's like, it's like looking at an evolution chart in which it's like all forms of life come from, you know, all these ancestors. And then there's the, you know, the the archaeas or I forget what they are, which is like, oh, man, they may as well be from Mars. Like, we don't know where they come from. Yeah, that's Chip Kelly. He's way off in this branch of life of his own um, in which it's unlike everybody else where it's one, two, three, four, five viable passes. Uh, nope. It's one viable pass. Maybe there's a second one. And also this isn't true for a hundred percent of the time. There are a couple of plays in his normal playbooks for Dorian Thompson Robinson, in which like there is a normal passing system, but I'm talking about most of the time. Um, it's like, There's one live read and everybody else in the pattern are decoys meant to manipulate the defense to either get or and to get that guy open and or, make it so the defense is out of the way so that guy can run for extra yards that's why he kept having like walk on tight ends get drafted because people would be fooled into thinking that that dude was a genius that guy was like a brilliant tight end who kept Mm -hmm. getting open and it was like no that's just what chip kelly does you know and uh it's also why like he never had an outside receiver worth a damn because the nature of his passing system would never just have just throw a sideline route where you win one-on-one versus the cornerback, mm-hmm. right? Like it's always the inside receiver because he's manipulating folks, right? Cause like he thinks he's a genius and he can just design a play on, on his own that will get the guy open. Well, guess what? defenses can call him out on it. So like one of the dudes who had him cracked from the get-go was David Shaw. It's why Stanford always beat UCLA. Uh and so if the one read in his passing tree is covered, well he still has a trump card and that trump card was named Dorian Thompson Robinson because that guy was always the most athletic of the 22 people on the field. And so if that the one dude in the pattern who was live if that dude was covered because because you would crack his passing system he would just run mm-hmm. it was, that's why i say it's one read and run well okay so that worked for five years of dorian thompson robinson and it peaked in year five with dorian thompson robinson when as a super senior and the dude who'd been playing for literally five straight years because covid let him do that and he was playing as a true freshman in twenty. 18 um so now well now he's got dante Moore. you know paid top dollar for him convinced him to flip for more again because he was you know told him you can come play as a true freshman even though that's not a good idea Mm -hmm. dante Moore fell for it
0: uh and to his credit he he realized it too yeah yeah
1: well so anyway I, I, I don't hold it. So, I mean, he got to he got too. to take his lumps on someone else's dime. I, yeah. Frankly, he c- couldn't work out better for Oregon. <laughs> yeah, anyway, exactly. uh, so so Chip Kelly, uh, like I, I've been dumping on him a lot here. You know, he does. He recognizes to an extent. He can't just use the. Dorian Thompson Robinson playbook that's not going to work with Dante Moore's skill set he sets himself the project of writing a pocket passer playbook and I was like I think he's going to do that right like I, I that was one of the things I said in my June preview I, was I don't think he's going to try to fit a square peg in a round hole mm-hmm. I do think he's going to try to write a pocket passer playbook, but I will also predict that he's gonna fail because he doesn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that it's gonna not work out, and that he's gonna revert. He's gonna run home to mama and wind up playing Colin Schley and Ethan Garbers. And guess what? I was right. Yep. yep. Um, and so that's basically what happens is that he writes a playbook that is an attempt to to deal with with Dante Moore's skill set, except he doesn't know how to do it well. and And at this point, I'm just way too deep in the weeds. and And listener, you just got to read my article. It's it's really extensive and explains all of this stuff in depth with documentation, including like mu- with multiple clips in which I'm explaining exactly what I'm talking about in terms of the this is the reason why this play doesn't work. He forgot to build into it like hot routes against a blitz because he's used to having Dorian Thompson Robinson just scramble out of this problem. And so he forgot to install what you're supposed to install. If you have a pocket passer and I have, I there's multiple examples in which I explain exactly what I mean by this, by him uh, attempting to write a playbook that would service Dante Moore's skill set, but failing.
0: Right. And I, re- I read the article and, you know, I, I can tell the listeners that it, it's nuanced and, and covers a lot of ground. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of factors um, that Hitler days only kind of touching on it, it's worth the read.
1: So, so all of this is just sort of set up like, Uh, You know, when I say it's like jumping between the hot tub and the ice bath, it's like because the bad stuff's real bad. And 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 when I say the bad stuff, there's like two kinds of bad stuffs. There's bad stuff, which is I have to watch UCLA, which is just just kill me. Like there's (laughs) it's so bad. The offensive line is so bad. Like this is the worst offensive line I've ever seen chip kelly field because like he doesn't do any recruiting or development he just goes and grabs transfer portal offensive linemen not even good transfer portal. like he got a colorado transfer offensive lineman that should tell you how bad it is right a dude who was so bad at being an offensive lineman that he
0: couldn't hack it at colorado
1: listener like are, are you picking up what I'm putting down?
0: Well, it, it's been uh, a topic that you've covered as long as I've been with addicted to quack. You know, it, you can't, uh, it's proven that you can't bring in a bunch of transfers for an offensive yeah. line and expect it to work. And guess what? And that's if work. you
1: bring in guys, even if you bring in guys who are good the transfer portal effect will make them bad Mm -hmm. in the offense this is true of the offensive line it's not really true of other positions um in fact like the opposite appears to be true for quarterbacks i i had a whole long rant about it when we talked about dylan gabriel um (laughs) but the uh and in like every podcast i really can't shut up about it but like (laughs) But these guys weren't even good offensive linemen. It's like he started with bad offensive linemen and the transfer portal effect made him worse and like really bad, like, like, like FCS G five Colorado, just like, and I mean, the tape is it's, it's like exquisite. Like it belongs in a museum of awfulness of how, like, I mean, oh my God, (laughs) the hall of shame it's just so bad. Um, so like there's that. And, and to the point where like, I just couldn't resist, like I put an entire clip compilation of my article. That's just, this is how embarrassing this team is. Like, it doesn't have anything to do with anything. It's just look, man, when I was watching this film, like I, I kept I kept noting plays in which literally everything went wrong. Like, like where there isn't a single thing that goes right the receivers can't create separation all of the offensive linemen are screwing up in some way the receiver drops the pass like everything er the play doesn't make sense like everything is wrong about this and i'm just like my my notes on my tally sheet are just screaming like (laughs) i I just like and and so just like i wrote that i had like just screaming written down (laughs) you know so many times it was just like okay (laughs) I'm just going to put a couple of them in my article so that the 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 reader can understand what I had to go through. It's just like you've got to, and what Dante Moore had to go through, you know, like, so all of this, and so all of this is sort of like, look, man, Dante Moore's stats are not great coming out of UCLA, but you got to understand, like, jesus christ it was on like the most like dysfunctional stupid awful dumb team with the half-baked offense with like no pieces around him and and chip kelly just failing in every conceivable way um and other things that are more nuanced like for example one of the things that i noted that chip kelly did is sort of a concession to the fact that he's got a pocket passer was that he pulled out all the read option runs from the playbook like all of them there's like i saw dante moore run like maybe three read option runs the entire year i don't mean like Hmm. you know three a game i mean all year right um And like, he wasn't bad at him. You know, I was, and so one of the lines that I put in the article was like, I, he probably went too far. Like he probably should have kept like maybe one or two read options, you know, in the each game, you know, just to help keep the defense honest, you know, like, yeah, you probably weren't going to get that many yards with them, but like, but just a couple of them would have a good effect, you know, salutary effect on the defense, you know, but he like he went overboard on it because like he doesn't he's bad at this. um. <laughs> so anyway, so there's that. OK, but then here's the other thing. The The other thing about being in the ice bath is that when, you know, Dante Moore screws some stuff up, which like, look, man, he's a true freshman. And yeah. so one of the things that he screws up, well, you know, one of the, th- the like the last clip compilation of my article is that like. Look, it's true freshman stuff. It's like, you know, and I just sort of walk you through it. Like this wasn't the throw Dante, you know, it, you, you threw there, you should have thrown there, you know, next, next clip you shoot through there, you should have thrown there next clip you threw there, you should have thrown there, but it's all like, but what I can also tell you from the data is that first of all, it wasn't really that much. It was only about three percentage points of, uh, uh of you know worth of the you know so so like quarterback error for high level quarterbacks supposed to be about like 15%. His was more like 18%. So like but
0: like you say he's a freshman.
1: He's a freshman. You know, actually the fact that it's only 18% like all things considered, considering he's a true freshman, considering all the stuff and that he's he's getting quarterback coaching from a nincompoop, like actually That's pretty encouraging. Oh, and the other thing is there weren't any spikes in the data. There weren't any like through lines. It wasn't anything like, oh, man, he really struggles with this throw. Or, oh, you can't do this read, or if the defense is configured in this way, or if they're in this field position. I mean, I ran the whole correlation analysis, right? Like, I that, that's one of the reasons why I gave myself, you know, some, some extra lead time so that I could do, like, and and charted the entirety of UCLA's, you know, data was so that I could put the entire the entire like everything I did, you know, not just bivariate, I did the trivariate analysis too. Like I really like cooked my computer trying to find any sort of nope. You know, it's just like it's just a, a a little extra layer of, of you know, quarterback processing. Like, nope, that wasn't the read, Dante. It was there, not there. You know, but it's no, there's no spikes at all in the data. It's no like, ah, he can't throw to the flat. You know, ah, you know, no, it's nothing like that. It's, it's just a little extra uh, on everything. But like, you know what? That's the best possible sign. Yeah, yeah, you might think you might think that the best possible sign is oh it's just one thing you need to fix it but in my experience guys never fix the one thing. Mm-hmm. The the best possible sign is oh it's just a little of everything because as a freshman because that that just means he he needs to grow up which like guess what freshmen do and they grow up you know like yeah that that's that means he's on track you know like that that that, that, that that's actually good
0: yeah it's fixable it's interesting that that your uh, analysis um showed that that they're yeah, you know, it, it's just uh, a combination of little stuff that it can chalk up to rookie mistakes
1: so then the two other like bad both of which are like bad, bad. Number one is he takes sacks at a higher rate than is to be expected. Like even when taking into account, like the constant protection breakdowns, like, like I know how to control for that, but even having controlled for that, he's still taking too many sacks. And specifically the reason that he takes too many sacks is he tries to take the front door out the pocket by which I mean, rather than spinning out laterally, he tries to go right up like the a gap or the b gap when it's not there and it like i saw him do it over and over and over again i don't know why like he tries to get skinny and go right up the middle and it's like it's not there dante why do you keep trying to do that like over and over and over again he kept trying to do that hmm. which like it was bizarre um now look I don't really think that's going to be an issue at Oregon because he's just not going to be in that kind of trouble, you know, because Oregon's offensive line protection is just going to be better. Um, and I wasn't really seeing like phantom pressure, like a little bit. I did put one clip in there in my article in which you're like, yeah, I did see a little happy feed every once in a while en- enough that I, you know, I-, I wanted to show, you know, I, I documented it. Mm-hmm. And like that, that's the whole thing about happy feet or phantom pressure is that you can have good protection and your quarterback can still screw up. And so like that is something worth paying, you know, some attention to because even if he does have a good line in front of him at Oregon, like it, he might still wind up making that mistake. I mean, I hope he doesn't, but it's a possibility, but I I still don't really see it that much. I, I, I kind of doubt it. And like, I would understand being kind of scarred by UCLA's just terrible (laughs) offensive line. And I would understand, I would also expect he'd get over that quick. He'd be like, ah, uh, I can, you know, I can, I can chill out a bit. Like I I got a good line. I I don't have to be worrying and hearing footsteps. But, but the thing is like, you know, he really, he does need to work on, No, you can't take that front door you need to spin out you know and and i know he knows how to do that because there's also a bunch of clips in my article of him doing exactly that so like i know he knows how to do it it's just like you need to do that like like all the time you know so so that that's the closest thing that there is to like a one consistent bad. Like I just said that there's no spikes in the data where he struggles with this one thing. And then I was like, Oh, but there is actually one. And that's, that is it. The try to take the front door out of a collapsing pocket thing. It's not a throw thing though. It's a, it's a scramble thing. Um,
0: Right. And it sounds like that's something that can be uh, easily fixed
1: well with, i i should hope so um yeah,
0: the I, I would hope so with better uh coaching and and um a playbook that that works with it yeah
1: and better offensive line so he's just not yeah. in that position mm-hmm. the other thing interceptions he threw nine interceptions two of them i really don't think are his fault at all like they're 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 like he's doing everything right the the pocket comp- he, he gets hit as he's throwing the ball it, and and it's a an, the throw that he wants to make is an appropriate throw there's another pick actually that makes the, the the compilation in which he's also hit as he throws but it's he shouldn't be throwing that ball so i'm like you're not let off the hook mm-hmm. anyway the i'll say a couple other things the the seven that i do put on him I, I put on him and and I put you know I put those clips in the article so you can or I put four of the seven in I, I tried to get a rep you know representative samples of the three that I didn't show or like you 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 saw duplicative versions of them you, you wouldn't gain anything by seeing the other three right um the uh th- there's a couple of things to be said. Uh, n- number one is there's a bit of bad luck involved in that I don't have, there's not a single one on my tally sheet in which he throws an interceptable ball and the defense fails to intercept it. Hmm. So most quarterbacks, I, like I have that code, the should have been picked code all over my tally sheet because like, I mean, Bo Nix does,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, lots of quarterbacks do. I remember Brock Purdy who just played in the Super Bowl. Oregon played him um in the 2020 Fiesta Bowl. You know when he was at Iowa State, he was the king of should have been picked. Like <laughs> like every game he played, he th- he would throw like seven or eight balls that should have been picked off and for some reason Big 10 defenses because it was the COVID year probably, uh were just failing to pick him off. Uh like it was crazy you know how good luck he had for just throwing totally interceptable balls that wouldn't get picked Dante Moore has the opposite of that he's like the, the opposite of Brock Purdy luck where every time he threw a ball that even conceivably could have been picked it was picked Yeah. so the fact that he had seven interceptions that were on him you know it's true but like you know Hey man, like he didn't have, you know, any good luck at all in terms of like, you know, we'd hit the, 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 the defender in the hands and bounced off. So, so he caught a break on that one. He didn't catch any breaks. So eh, take that into account. Now, the way that I take that into account is I've been charting quarterbacks for a long time. I just count the number of interceptable balls that you threw. And I don't care whether or not the interception itself actually happened. Okay. And I have developed a sort of expectation rate. Um for high level quarterback play, uh y- y- you expect an interceptable ball rate of about three percent. Um, or well, it's, it's a couple points lower than what uh than what Moore was throwing. Um uh
0: What was Bo Nix's interceptable rate this last year? Oh, like zero. Yep. There you go.
1: I mean, but that was to some extent, that was like the product of the offense. Um, Like that, that was kind of the whole thing about Steinball was that like, like, and what everybody was sort of, or what people were noting positively negatively in between, morally neutral whatever was you know all the short pass stuff was the whole thing was never put the ball in danger even a little bit Mm -hmm. so like yeah his interceptable ball rate was like zero because like it was never put the ball in trouble
0: um yeah well if it's effective uh, why why fix something that's not broken Anyway,
1: so like most high level quarterbacks keep it under 3%. If you approach 3%, you're starting to be like, I'm starting to worry about you, dude. So Moore's interceptable ball rate was at 4.5%. So that's like you've crossed the threshold and then some. Now, his bad luck is that like it's not just his interceptable ball rate was at 4.5%, but it was like, 4.5% of all balls that he threw were intercepted. Ouch. You know, cause it's like if he threw an interceptable ball, it was getting picked off, you know, mm-hmm. and here's the other thing I, I, I said last week when I was talking about uh, uh, Dylan Gabriel that cause, cause uh, Kevin asked me, you know, what, what's his worst quality. And I said, it's cause he, if he's in trouble or in doubt, he throws it deep. But I liked that he de- did that because really only good things can happen. You either complete it deep or you get a foul of some kind, you know, uh, you know DPI mm-hmm. or RPS, or you know, or worst case is an incompletion, but that's still better than taking a sack and, and a negative yardage play for eating it, um, or a worthless throw away that has no chance of being caught. Um, and the worst case scenario is that it gets intercepted. But if you get intercepted throwing it deep, it's an arm punt right you know if you get intercepted throwing it 50 yards downfield so that the opponent takes over on their own three yard line like boo-hoo yeah well uh, you know when somebody was pushing back at me you know on the like it's never good to throw a pick and i'm like there are actually you know not all picks are created equal some picks are arm punts and it's like it's not that bad you know um like hell You know, some situations, if it's like fourth down or something, if you trick the defense into intercepting it, as opposed to knocking the ball down, you've actually caused the defense to harm themselves. (laughs) Um, Anyway, the um, here's Dante Moore's issue, like Dante Moore's interceptions were the worst kind of interception. Like they weren't arm punts. They were or I mean, a couple were but his were the worst kind where it was like throwing a flare out where the defender is staring at it the whole way so he gets to pick it off and take it back Mm -hmm. and it's like oh no don't do that oh no so like there was a reason why he threw like three consecutive pick sixes Hmm. like it was bad Hmm. um so like now, sort of going back to what I was saying uh for, you know, in terms of sort of rookie mistakes, I don't think it's because he's like cavalier with the ball. Like, I don't see like guy. you're just going to sort of have to trust me on this one. Like it's sort of I mean, I put as many of the interceptions as I could into the article. But like uh, this is also just sort of from watching every single one of these his throws. And I can't put every single one of his throws into the article. So you're just gonna to have to sort of trust me on my subjective tape about this. I think he's a cool customer. Like, I don't see like gunslinging. Like, I don't even think he's as like um like as much of a gunslinger as Dylan Gabriel is. Like he's a pretty calculated, dude. It's just that he miscalculated on those throws. I see you know, it's, it's rookie stuff. It's, it's, he misread the field. And, and so I put a clip compilation in my article of, of plays in which he misread the field and made a, a less productive throw. And I also put a clip compilation in my article in which he misread the field and had a counterproductive throw specifically in an interception, but it's the same thing. It's the same like rookie mistake where it's, it's a miscalculation, you know, as, as a rookie. And the other thing that I'll say about it is they're kind of different each time, you know, there, there's not like a through line of, of like, oh, he really struggles with this particular throw or if you put him in this situation or you know or anything like that there you know there's no real strong correlation you know for any of it it's just you know the 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 interception clip compilation and the rookie mistake compilation they're they're very similar in that it's just he's a rookie who's reading the field he's he's calculating and he miscalculates and so the solution for both of them are identical which is he just sort of needs to grow up which like of course he does he's a true mm-hmm. freshman you yeah. know and he's a true freshman who had like crappy coaching and a half-baked offense with no talent around him so like i expect him to at oregon and i expect him to you know redshirting behind dylan gabriel for a year at oregon mm-hmm. so like i don't in a, in sort of, in a way, I sort of found this video to be, you know, studying this video to be encouraging in, in that it's like all of this stuff is fixable and he's going to be going to a situation that's sort of perfectly set up for him to fix it. Now it will still be on him to fix it and on the Oregon coaching staff to fix it with him. And I can't, guarantee that it's going to be fixed but it's like you couldn't ask for a better situation both from the tape that i saw in terms of the stuff that he needs to fix being a sort of widespread you know it's it's a mile wide and an inch deep you know the easiest stuff to mop up right like Mm -hmm. you you can't mop up the ocean but you can mop up a half inch of standing water Mm -hmm. right um uh, or you can't mop up a bucket. Uh-uh. Um, <laughs> all right, yeah, all right, this metaphor is breaking down. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's not like it, it, it's not this like deep b- b- reservoir of problems. It's a, it's a mile wide, but it's an inch deep, you know, and he's under ideal circumstances to, to fix it, you know, getting to red shirt with a good staff with you know with good quarterbacks around him to learn from he's not going to be under pressure and he's going to have you know not a bunch of you know jagoffs who are trying to get fired as his coaches um now all of that has been a bunch of time spent it describing and apologizing for the negative aspects of the film that i watched at ucla and i've been talking for a while (laughs) let me now talk about the positive stuff this may be the most talented in terms of his ceiling in terms of the talent that he has his physical abilities and frankly his ability to read the field you know and the good the good mental stuff that i see which is like most of the time i would say like 80 percent of the time um like frankly he's ahead of the game like for a true freshman mentally um It is, is very, you know, like I just spent a bunch of time talking about the mental stuff he needs to clean up. Like, frankly, he's better than most true freshmen that I watch get forced into it. You know, the fact that he has stuff to clean up, like is of course true, but it's still less to clean up than I really would have expected. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, much of you know, m- much of the statistical breakdown and other stuff that's in my article is sort of like it's also mostly you know the rest of the UCLA of it all—the terrible offensive line, the lack of wide receiver talent, the stupid Chip Kelly stuff, you know, et cetera, et cetera—that's right. really mostly responsible for it. Like it's it, it is some on him. It is. It really is, and I documented it. But it's also a lot on UCLA. But I keep getting away from what I really need to tell you, and you really need to read my article to see because it's jaw-dropping stuff. Mm-hmm. His, his arm, and his, it's, it takes your breath away. I have never seen a quarterback in my life. I have never seen a quarterback generate that much power and accuracy so effortlessly with such a quiet base his core is always loaded his release is so fast and it's like he flicks his wrist and the ball is 50 yards downfield in a heartbeat it is i i cannot i uh, the words they should have sent a poet i uh, i Oh, you just have to read my article and look at these clips. I I was like, uh, I, I, and I had to leave stuff out. I put nine clip compilations. In my article it was more than I normally do. And I had to leave stuff out stuff that was amazing.
0: Like I
1: like. Well, you, even,
0: a- even with what you leave in, uh, it, it's obvious that, yeah, that the proof is in the video clips where, it, it, it's like you say, it's just, just amazing. Yep. It plants, boom, uh, clean throwing motion. And it's that quick.
1: It's so fast and it's so quiet. His base is so quiet. He doesn't, and it's such a contrast to Dylan Gabriel. I mean, I'm not, i not real. I, I don't want to spend this time dumping on Dylan Gabriel, but I mean, that was the thing that I noticed while watching Gabriel and Gabriel's a dude who throws the ball downfield. He loves throwing the ball downfield, but that dude's got to power up like you you put the dylan gabriel clips side by side with the dante moore clips like gabriel's like he's crow hopping he's powering up you know he's got he's really got a load and dante moore it's like he he has but to think it and it is done uh it is oh my god and so it's just clip after clip of rail shots hole shots post routes i mean even the scramble clips where he's doing it i mean i put a clip in my article against utah in which he's telling he has to scramble out of the pocket rolled to his left not not the easy way uh and he's telling his tight end to gain depth to beat the safety because he wants more room (laughs) he's he's waving him back He's like keep going. It's like that the Uncle Rico stuff, like <laughs> keep going dude. You need to go deeper. <laughs> and he still nails it. I mean oh my it's yeah. p- pure sex man. Like and you wouldn't believe the stuff I left on the cutting room floor. Like oh my god. His physical talent is I've never seen anything like it. It's so, I mean, I have seen talented quarterbacks. I mean, I've seen it. I mean, every NFL quarterback can do this stuff. I'm not saying that it's otherworldly or anything. What's amazing is just how quiet his base is. He, his, he, he always has access to the full inventory of throws because he doesn't need to do any loading. Mm -hmm. It's, it's all there all the time, instantaneously. He, if, if he sees it, the ball's gone, like he doesn't, I'm not describing this, the, 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 the the, most quarterbacks that you watch, each of these has to be a discreet step. See it, point your hips, load your core, engage your throwing motion release. Mm-hmm. And each of those is a discrete thing which happens and is why your windup takes time and is why you need extended protection in the pocket. and you know your 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 timing has to be on rhythm. And with more, it's like, I mean, technically all of those things do happen, but they happen in such so rapidly that they might as well all be happening instantaneously. And his core is always loaded. Yeah. It's so a, that it's a seamless motion. It It's he sees it and it's gone. It's like blink. It's like, you know, and like I said, I was watching the all 22. So I, I'm seeing, and I put the all 22 clips in the article and it's like, you can see him get to the second or third or whatever progression and you can watch his helmet. And as soon as he sees it, it's gone. It's not C point load, start finish. It's C gone Mm -hmm. because it's all loaded. It's all it's, it's it's preloaded. It's, it's, it's all, it's all there. And what it also means is that all of that is there on the hoof. Like he doesn't lose any power when he's got to roll out. It, it's just like the biomechanics of it is I've never, I've never seen anything like it. I it's giants. Now, okay, I've been talking for a little while about this. <laughs> there's like nine things that a quarterback has there's like nine different skills that a quarterback has to have. And if you are missing any of them, that's it, your career's over. You know, you're going nowhere. And I mean, the 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 road to the NFL is littered with the corpses figuratively not literally Mm of of dudes who have great arms who you know because there's some problem with one of the other eight skills you know that that's it they they can't you know they can't play you know that's the thing you you got to be great at everything you know and any one of them will sabotage you and i can't guarantee you know, the, just because he has the most, you know, whisper quiet base and amazing arm that I've ever seen that he's got everything else, you know, is going to develop to the point where he's going to be the greatest quarterback in the world. I can't guarantee any of that at all. Well, all I can say is that this dude's ceiling, you know, what he is physically capable of, I, I've never seen it before. Hmm. And if he does have the rest of it and if Oregon staff can develop that in him, That's a dude who will win you a national championship.
0: I'm so glad he's a duck.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, we do, we recorded these podcasts because they're sort of an insight into the writing process. I try not to use them to like beg people to read the article, but like genuinely I'm not begging you because I need the clicks. or or anything we're we're not playing for clicks we're (laughs) right Right. (laughs) Uh, as as the man said um uh, but i am telling you like you if if all you're doing is listening to the podcast like you aren't getting it like you gotta watch it you gotta watch this this video um and i wouldn't blame anybody for not watching ucla season because it was a blurk season but if you didn't you missed out on some absolutely amazing stuff but i did it for you and i put it all together for so read this article and check these clips out because it's just i mean it's amazing it is amazing what this guy is capable of yeah um, and there
0: there's a lot of uh uh depth and components to to your article and your um video clips you know a little bit of video is worth a half hour of talk sometimes yeah.
1: And I mean, the other thing is that I don't just put in the videos. I also like break down, you know, what you're seeing. So there's a lot of X's and O's discussion. And a lot of people, it's been very gratifying over the years. People have told me, like, you know, I learn a lot about football from reading your articles because being able to line up like, oh, so that's what, you know, that 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 description means or you know and and also in particular for this beginning because i had the all 22 and you get the, the high angles you know mm-hmm. you know because I, I can walk through with the pat you know what the progression is you know and so like even even some of the, the the negative clip compilation articles where you know i'm explaining like why you know you shouldn't have thrown it there you should have thrown it there like well having the all 22 is really nice for that you know because i can show the whole progression and so like i don't know maybe it'll make you better at madden <laughs> <You know? laughs> like yeah i really I, I feel like this is a this is a pretty educational you know not just a wow look at this you know but i feel like it's a pretty educational article too which i you know that's what we strive for okay uh let's wrap it up there yep. uh you got any uh parting words of wisdom for us Badwater?
0: uh no not really go ducks we have there's a lot of sports going on this weekend Yeah, Yeah, there sure are. Because late February uh, to the um, third week or so of March, there's just so much going on. Yeah, so um, get on the TV when you can, get out to the park when you can and and take some of it in uh, because Oregon's got some good sports going on right now
1: uh yeah absolutely loaded um you yeah, know lacrosse is going on which you have covered for the site Uh, uh tennis baseball softball uh, men's and women's basketball uh acrobatics and tumbling yeah uh okay. just had a thrilling comeback win against uh, hawaii pacific uh that kevin covered i think he was uh, pretty excited because he's a former cheerleader uh himself and there's a uh, acrobatics and tumbling shares uh, s- some stuff in common competitive cheer a men's and women's golfer in full swing uh, no no pun intended uh yeah it's a uh, it's a fun time hey oh uh beach volleyball uh it starts up next week um uh so yeah uh it's uh, uh, uh everything's going on right now yeah, um, a lot going on all right uh uh the the days are short but oregon sports are going long and it never rains on this podcast